Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz as we uh, kick off the afternoon with the call. Ten stocks that uh, you uh, have suggested we have a look at. I put them to an expert panel for their adjudication. We do it all in 60 minutes. It's fast and furious, a lot of fun and gives you some great direction. We pick up some uh, terrific insights as well into the thinking of the uh, of the gurus that we have here on the show every single day, except today. No. Um, joining <laughs> us today, the gurus themselves. Andrew Wheelard from uh, DP Wealth Advisory up in Toowoomba. Andrew, good to see you, big fella. You well? Koshi, with an introduction like that, how could I not be any better? <laughs> Henry Jennings from Marcus today on the northern beaches of <laughs> Sydney, God's own country. Good to see you. How's your week been? It's been fine, thanks, Koshi. Not bad at all, I've got to say. Good. Um, look, just a quick one off the top before we get into the stock of the day. Um, Reserve Bank decision pulling back away from you know, keeping cheap money until 2024. Uh, as a share investor, uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. Um, does that come into your thinking in terms of your, your portfolio management? Yeah, I mean, with due respect, I think it depends on how closely you're following it. If you're sort of just a once a year type of person, well, what the RBA does is what the RBA does. But if you're trying to be a little bit more tactical about it, yeah, absolutely. You're focused on where the RBA is going because then you've got impacts. If you're talking financials, impacts on NIMS, uh, net interest margins, uh, potential bad and doubtful debts, uh, liquidity into markets. You know, there's all sorts of moving parts there. So um, me personally, 100% all over it. Right, and and become a bit more defensive, do you? Or um, I'm actually think it's a positive, frankly, because right. from my point of view, if they're sort of saying that uh, they're trying to sort of um, reduce the the liquidity into the system, if I can put it that way, that means things are getting better, things are improving. Okay. So you know, I'd be a lot more concerned if you know we said April 2024 is now actually going to be April 2027 because we don't think things are sticking. You know, a la Japan 1990s, I'd be a lot more concerned. I actually think right. it's a positive. Okay, Henry, how do you view it? Um, well, I've got to say I'm with Andrew, which is uh, rare these days. Uh, it, is a pos- it is a positive, and it, it shows that things are getting back to normal. Let's face it, we've had RBA settings on crisis, pandemic crisis mode for so long. And we know that inflation is around. We know that rates will eventually go up because we don't really want them to be on crisis mode. At the end of the day, let's face it, the RBA used to dictate monetary policy in this country, and the banks used to follow slavery with their mortgage rates. If the RBA moved, the banks would move, etc. They may give it a few days to pretend they were in control, but the RBA did move the market. Nowadays, the market has moved the RBA. Effectively, the market took on the RBA over this yield curve control that they had in place at the short end of the yield. And you know what? 
The average guy in the street doesn't give two hoots about yield curve control. All he cares about is what his mortgage is costing him and how much money he has in his pocket. As far as stock valuations go, yes, it does affect some of the tech stocks at the long end because of the discounted cash flow models. But to be honest, you know, as Andrew rightly points out, rising rates shows the economy is getting back to normal. You don't want zero or negative rates because that shows that we've got a problem. We don't want problems. This is a positive for the market. And the RBA has backflipped a bit and has uh, saved some credibility. But at the end of the day, this is a good thing. And as you guys rightly point out, we don't want to be like Japan, which had zero negative interest rates for a decade and kept dropping in and out of recession um, during that period of time. So, yeah, it's a really, really good point well made. All right, let's take a look at stock of the day. I thought we'd, um, a company that doesn't come up very often here on the call, Eclipse Group, uh, coming out today lifting earnings 63% on the previous full year with net profit at 76 million up from 18 million of course it is um, in the fleet management car leasing business the company says it's making good progress into new markets including corporate small business and novated leasing telling the market there's a healthy demand for cars and appetite is apparent despite vehicle supply shortages in the near term it expects um, end of lease income to remain above pre-covid levels um, Henry, what do you think of the of the result and and Eclipse as a stock? Um, the result was good. Eclipse as a stock has been going pretty well. I had a number of issues in the last few years with a couple of their businesses, which they have jettisoned. This, this, I have to say, is still a sector that is ripe for consolidation in the lease business. You've got Eclipse, you've got uh, Smart Group, and you've got Macmillan Shakespeare as well. Uh, There is a deal to be done. There's probably not enough space for three of them. There's probably enough space for two of them. So I think this plays into that. The result's good. Uh, The market likes it. I wonder where all these new cars are coming from, mind you, because uh, it's pretty hard to get hold of a new car at the moment. Uh, I was speaking to a, a car dealer on Saturday as my wife picked up her new car, <laughs> which is an old new car, um, and uh, he said that they've not been, he hasn't seen it like this for 18 years. So it's a good market for Eclipse. I think this one will keep going. Yeah, okay. Nothing wrong with it at all. So you do it as a buyer at these levels? Ah, it's always, I always hate chasing things when they're hitting highs, and this is hitting a high. I'd I'd certainly, if you owned it, you'd hold it. If you're coming new to it, maybe uh, maybe wait for a little pullback on some profit taking on Friday perhaps okay. and uh, try and snag it below 240 but it's 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 doing all the right things and it's in the right space okay Andrew uh, what do you think of uh, Eclipse of, of course my advice anyone for anyone looking for a new car is to go for an MG great car plenty available and a fantastic Port Adelaide sponsor <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know what to say, Koshi, apart from you're always right, of course. Um, look, I, I, I'd have to start the show off on the wrong foot by saying I agree with Henry because, you know, it takes all the theatre away, but um, I agree with Henry. Um, probably the only thing that I would be mindful of, though, 
is uh, well certainly rising interest rates are potentially rising bond yields are potentially an issue for them uh, from a financing perspective but we just saw there before on that chart it's a great looking chart it bottomed out at 50 cents back there in March last year and it's just been a slow steady rise since consensus is about 265 and we're sort of knocking on the door of that price so if you could buy it on a, on a little pullback back around sort of the 240s 250s I'd be uh, quite comfortable in doing that but it's certainly ticking all the right boxes and in the context of that M&A point that Henry quite rightly made, uh, it is certainly a target. Okay. All right. Let's get into the stocks that uh, you want us to take a look at. Mandy, Andrew, what's a view on Grange Resources, the iron ore mining and pellet production business um, uh, located in, in Tasmania, Savage River? What do you think of uh, Grange? Yeah, look, it's one that we've covered previously, uh, a while ago though now, and uh, as you're quite rightly pointing out, involved in, um, in, located rather in Tasmania, involved in iron ore. Um, probably the key thing is it doesn't really get much of an institutional look in because uh, nearly half the share register is actually owned by offshore investors. So that means the, the register is pretty tight, but the actual underlying business isn't too bad at all. They've uh, also got a, another deposit in uh, in Western Australia, the South Down uh, deposit near uh, near Albany there, nice part of the world. So for me, it is a hold, but uh, it's performed incredibly strongly over the last five years. It's up about 48%. Uh, probably the thing that would I would be quite cautious on in the short term, simply relating to that iron ore price. If you look at the last quarterly results they came out with, I can't remember the exact numbers, but they were getting some strong uh, stupid numbers, basically really good numbers. And of course, with that recent pullback in the iron ore price, that's reflected as well. And I think iron ore went back under $100 uh, a tonne over the last day or so. So that's probably the key issue for this. But for me, the business is a hold. Okay. Henry? Uh, this one always looks kind of interesting to me. Uh, it is a high-cost iron ore producer. They produce pellets and also concentrate as well. They um, they got let's get this right. They got 153 US dollars a ton in the last quarter for their pellets. That was uh, compared to 287 dollars. US uh, from the June quarter, so that's a big drop yep. for this uh, this company. So that is the negative. Now the positive is the fact that they have a bucket load of cash. They have 550 million bucks of cash and liquid investments, and this wow. is a stock that's got a market cap of 630 million. So what? you're not paying an yeah, I know. Wow. And I, 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 this, I know this 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 is right. So this has always been one of the conundrums with Grange is that they've had this bucket load of cash, and the market cap has never really reflected it because it's a high cost iron ore producer. They, they cost them around I think it's around ninety three odd dollars uh, a ton to uh, to produce their stuff. Whereas you got BHPs and the Rios and the Fortescues down at sort of thirteen dollars a dry metric ton. So it's it's a different product. They get a premium for their product because it's pellets it's much higher quality I, I i don't mind this one there's there's little point me saying buy because as andrew's already said hold my buy won't change the uh, the scorecard but i've got to say you know iron ore has been absolutely bludgeoned about the head ridiculously and we are 
Is it really going to go much lower? Maybe. But these guys, that cash buffer is interesting, I have to say. So for me, I think that this is a buy from me, i got right. to say. It's, it's a cheap way to play a bounce, and uh, it looks interesting. Okay. Gee, if they got $500 million, they could give it, some of it back to shareholders, could be, if they're always <laughs> sticky on that well, publication. That- <laughs> Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, they don't have a great—they don't have a great track record of doing right. that. I'm not sure what they're keeping it for. The rainy day, uh, maybe it may be raining at the moment in terms of that uh, yeah. that iron ore price. We, yeah, because um, Fortescue came up um, not with you guys, but on a panel about two weeks ago, and they said, "Yes, it's a buy. It's out of favour." But the thing is, just a massive cash generator. Its share price mm. has been absolutely bashed. But even down, even if the iron ore price got to $50, $60, they're still making bucket loads of cash. Yeah, the, the problem with Fortescue, I think, at the moment is the focus. Now, Fortescue for a long time has dug up stuff and, and, and sold it to China. It's done it very well and very efficiently. It's got a great market, it's got a great product, and it's had great discipline. Andrew Forrest is now on a mission to green the planet oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, c- committing Fortescue to hydrogen and all sorts of things, which is a noble, noble cause. And, and I have to say thank you, Andrew. Uh, you're doing a great job however for Fortescue shareholders it does send a small shiver and a shudder through them because they are now spending money on things that uh, may or may not work you know we're talking about eight and a half billion dollar investment in Argentina for hydrogen now that's all well and good but that's not what people buy Fortescue for they buy them to get exposure to iron ore It's yep. a pure play. If you start playing with the pure play, you're not going to be a pure play yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. Let's get on. Um, George wants a view saying, uh, would love Henry and Andrew's view on Med Advisor uh, software business, basically connecting pharmacies with their patients to make sure you take your pills on time and uh, the right way. Um, Andrew, what do you think of Med Advisor? Yeah, it's uh, doing pretty well in the US. It's got around 25,000 pharmacies that it's uh, linked up with. So that's, you know, I mean, obviously they're a much bigger economy, but 25,000 pharmacies. Here in Australia, that number is a bit less. It's only about 3,900. So they certainly don't seem to have as much penetration in Australia relative to the US. I like the fact that the chair is the ex-managing director of Zero. So if you're talking about a, you know, a cloud-based business or a software like business having someone of that pedigree on yeah that's i could certainly have involved and again you know how you started the show caution what's mine and henry's uh mindset when the neurons are synapsing for me one of the things i'm looking for is management and uh what they've been involved with in the past so that's a big tick in the box for me uh revenue is also growing pretty quickly and unsurprisingly for a software like business the margin's pretty good it's about a 55 percent margin um burning about six million a year in cash 
but they are holding 11 million so you know it's not they're not immediately running out of money uh up until recently as you can see there that chart was looking pretty ordinary but probably over the last mm, say three months or so that chart's starting starting to turn back upwards so i'm i'm sort of happy to give it a bit of a punt i think it might be might be worth a look but uh, again with these sort of more speculative ones you know we're not betting the house on it but between what they're doing potentially turning that australian business into something a bit more substantial the chair having that strong um background with zero uh, I, I like it yeah henry um yes med advisor i actually wrote this one up the other day because i looked at it some time ago and i even used the app to remind me oh, yeah. and to be able to order my medicines and go to the chemist etc which was fantastic little did i know well little did i know that the chemist that it was steering me towards the one that i went to was a lot more expensive than chemist warehouse <laughs> and with chemist warehouse had an app that did exactly the same thing so i i was a bit of a um, disloyal user of medadvisor and i shifted to chemist warehouse and they have the app and i do my meds uh, as they say in the us that way so i kind of lost interest how However, they have made a big acquisition in the U.S. Adherus is the company they bought in the U.S., which, as Andrew rightly points out, had a big U.S. penetration, but was pretty hopeless as far as digital goes. Now, the, the key for MedAdvisor is that they've, in theory, got the digital platform, and if they can provide that platform to the Adherus people, then that is the big growth engine. Now, of course, the U.S. is always the big sort of holy grail for Australian companies to to go to and make a mozza and this one no exception if they can get it right it will be good now the other thing that i kind of liked is that there was rumblings in the media this week from i think it was the uh, australian medical association talking about how they would really like to disrupt prescriptions uh, that doctors uh, sort of spend a lot of time in oh, terms of giving prescriptions luck. out, whereas, well, yeah, well, exactly. The, ph the pharmacy guild was straight into that one. Well, they the, didn't hang about uh, saying, absolutely. saying no, no way we offer a valuable service, etc., etc. So, um, but there are rumblings. Digital is definitely a way to go. Now, these guys get their money uh, to some extent from, in the US at least, they get it from the chemists and also from the drug companies as yeah. well who sign up to their platform. I kind of like this one. If they can get the US right, this has got some potential. It's going to take a little while, I think, and it's going to be useful to see some of the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the timeline, the signposts along the way that they're getting it right. But certainly, you know, it does have that potential. They've proved the thing works here, um, and they were never going to make a mozza out of the, the platform in Australia, let's face it. But in the US, different ball game. They have a whole different uh, drug culture, I guess, pharmacy culture. So, um, and they've teamed up with Walmart. Yeah, it just looks yeah. interesting here. Uh, 36 cents for me, it is a buy. Okay, all right, goes into the calls portfolio. Um, a battle between lobby groups like the uh, uh, the Pharmacy Guild and the AMA. <laughs> I, I would just pay money to watch that. 
I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- are... I think we do. That's the problem. I think we are paying money to watch that because it's costing us more yeah. uh, under the system that we've got. That's what, that we are paying the money. Yeah, yeah. The power they have is extraordinary in Canberra. Um, mm. Let's go on. Uh, Rachel wants a view. Um, we've got Andrew Whelan on, so we've always got to have an ETF. Uh, Rachel wants a view on the Vanguard FTSE Emerging Market Shares ETF. Now, the FT. SE is what the Financial Times Stock Exchange in in the UK. What do you think of this one, Andrew? Yeah, look, it's a, an interesting one. It's um, it's an interesting one, Koshi. And the reason I'm vacillating is because emerging markets on face value, you think you well, that's a position where clients should be exposed to. And so, when emerging markets, you might think Brazil, or you might think Vietnam, or you know, a whole group of yeah. developed countries. But you also then have to put into that China. And in fact, China is 37% of this index. Ah. Is China a different country? <laughs> well, according to the methodology of this and a number of emerging uh, market ETF providers, it is. And as we've uh, spoken about for months now, you know, uh, with due respect to uh, the Chinese, what's going on at the moment is a number of market participants are actually leaving the Chinese market because they're worried about the change in direction around education, around gaming. Obviously, there's issues going on with um, Evergrande uh, on the property side. So I do like the thematic relating to emerging markets. I do think there is growth in emerging markets. But when you have India in there as an example, India is also a growing economy, but India, is it... you know, is it the sixth largest economy in the world? Is that necessarily developing? It's a bit like Koshi and A last week, we were having that ESG conversation and what is yeah. ESG? How's it yeah. defined? And it's that all over again. Depends on your definition. Yep. So, high level, back to VGE. 660 million funds under management. The MER, the management expense ratio, isn't uh, too bad at around 48 basis points. It's been doing all right. It's up about 9% per annum for the last five years. So certainly better than a poke in the eye. And if you look at the companies it holds, it's got about 4,200 companies. The average PE is seven times earnings. Uh, The average size is around $30 billion. And one of my little favourites, that return on equity to that the average company's got about 11% return on equity. So the actual underlying fundamentals of these companies are sound and they're exposed to technology and they're exposed to financials and consumer discretionary. So fix all the right boxes, but but anything to do with emerging markets and China, just be cautious. So this is actually in our model ETF portfolio, so I have to say it's a buy. Right. But whenever I'm talking to clients about it, this is one of the points I'm labouring. Okay. Uh, Henry? No, nah, no interest, I've got to say. Um, submerging markets, I have enough problems with uh, with ASX companies, and if I want to diversify, I really don't want to go for 4,000-odd companies that I've never heard of in markets that I really don't want to be exposed to, where the vagaries of the Chinese Communist Party account for 37% of uh, the product. It has laboured, I've got to say. I know that uh, 8%, 9% is not to be sneezed at, but... Yeah, no, sorry. Can't get excited about this one uh, at all. Are you excited about electro-optic systems? Liam wants a view on that. It's in in aerospace. It's in defence markets. 
Uh, it makes telescopes, dome enclosures, satellite tracking systems, um, operates in Australia, US, Singapore and Germany. Uh, just had a recent earnings downgrade, which hasn't done much for a share price, but um, does electro-optics excite you? No. Uh, it's a shame they don't make submarines, isn't it? They, yeah. they could have done quite well. Lasers don't work quite so well underwater. No, uh, I've got to say this one has promised and failed to deliver. It has not been targeting its, uh, well, it's just not really hit the mark as far as targeting goes. These guys sell a lot of uh, sort of laser sites for um, the military, especially in the Middle East. Now they've had lots of problems with COVID. They've delivered products, they've made products, they just haven't been paid for product. They've recently oh. downgraded. Now, now everyone is getting excited about space. Let's face it, we all want to invest in space. Really? Space just seems just a massive amount. It's a vacuum that can just suck money as far as I could see. Uh, these guys are pushing into space with Spacelink, which is a communication superhighway of LEOs, LEO, which is low Earth orbit. Oh, it's just fantastic, isn't it? Uh, but in space, I don't think anyone can hear you scream. It's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, a lot of money these guys really don't have to play this game. It's going to be a listed thing. It's going to be one of these SPAC things. Um, it, it really, I just can't see this. There was a company called SAS, Space and Satellite thing, that went bust. I really can't see this one. Um, and I've written about it a number of times, uh, some of, the, um, some of the, the pros and cons of this one, but I've always avoided it because they've really struggled through COVID and I think they're gonna continue to struggle. Yeah. And the, 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 the amount of money it costs to, to get into space is just, it's big. This is a big game. I don't know yeah. if these little guys here um, have really got the, um, the backing to do it. It's only a $470 million company. Yep. You know, it costs more well, than that to, um, to launch a teddy bear into space. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you uh, look at that one-year share price chart, it's uh, probably uh, good you have avoided it, Henry. Andrew, what do you think? Oh, it's a shocker, Koshi. It's a shocker. Um, the chart I was referring to, um, but I guess by implication, therefore the investment as well, unfortunately. Uh, they're holding $100 million, which sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. However, they built through $30 million of that in the last quarter. And in fact, they got a nice payment from the UAE. So prior to that, they were a bit skinny on the, on the cash front. So that certainly is a, a little bit of a concern. As you said at your introduction, Koshi, they had an earnings downgrade. They seem to have a habit of doing that. If you want, if they are nothing but predictable in that regard. And uh, even though they are a beneficiary of increased defence spending around the world, uh, they have a habit of missing targets. Hmm. Okay. All right. You've got to look at the track record. Uh, Brad Andrew oh, wants. I got that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh, Brad uh, wants a view, Andrew, on Actinogen. Is that how you pronounce it? A biotech company uh, developing treatments for Alzheimer's. I like this one, Koshi. It's 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 a little bit more at the pointy end. 
259 million market cap. Um, but what they're doing with um, with Alzheimer's is um, is really interesting. Uh, their, their product, and I'm going to absolutely butcher the product name, Xenamin. Um, so it basically blocks the stress hormone that's released uh, from the brain. Right. Uh, and so it's trying to sort of um, basically um, sort of stop the uh, the onset of Alzheimer's from that point of view. They're holding that 12 million in cash. They're only burning it through about 2 million a quarter. So it's a little bit, I mean, they're certainly running through the cash, but they're doing a, a clinical trial at the moment. We won't actually know the outcome of it. It's a part A and part B. We won't really know until 2023. But, you know, given what they're doing, and sadly the onset of um, Alzheimer's, there certainly is a lot of potential here. So again, another one of the more speculative investments. You're not betting the, the farm on this, but um, like what they're doing. And yep. I think there could actually be something in this. So okay. it's a buy. Spec buy. Uh, Henry? Uh, well, it's a worthy cause. Certainly Alzheimer's is a massive global problem. Uh, and uh, it's just... You know, if these guys can get it right, it's fantastic. 257 million market cap. They have a long way to go. I think the first patient uh, was enlisted in the trial back in July. So we do have a long way to go with this one. They do have some cash around 11 million bucks. So that's a good thing. But um, it's, you know, it's a long way to go. They've got to enlist the patients. They've got to do the trials, etc., etc. It's a worthy cause. It will be very much driven as a, a kind of a binary outcome. A lot of these biotechs are binary outcomes. If they get good news and they keep getting good news, then uh, they will keep driving higher. But they do, you know, as you get further down the, the, the road with your trials, they tend to get more and more expensive and therefore the risk is greater if they fail because they've raised money along the way, the market's got all excited. I, I think this one's a hold. Uh, I wouldn't be buying it up here. I, there's been a bit of fluff and flutter around this one recently, so I'd be quite happy just to hold it for the time okay. being. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Eclipse, our stock of the day, a hold from both Andrew and Henry. Uh, Grange Resources, a hold from Andrew, a buy from uh, from Henry. Uh, MedAdvisor, um, uh, a buy. Both the guys um, like it and what they're doing in the US. Uh, Vanguard Emerging Markets um, is part of Andrew's core ETF portfolio, um, but sort of you've got to look at the definitions what uh, emerging markets make up um, Henry no interest at all uh, no interest from either in electro optic and actinogen um, a speculative buy from Andrew a hold from Henry here at the call if a stock gets um, unanimous thumbs up from our expert panel it goes into our fantasy Portfolio. We've been um, tracking since 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Um, as MedAdvisor goes into the portfolio, let's uh, take a look at how it's been performing. Uh, up just over or around 0.3% uh, for the week, 4% for the month, 7.5% since 1st of July this year. Since inception, 1st of July last year, uh, up 45%. Some of the stocks recently added by our expert panels. Uh, Smart Parking, the Vanguard US Total Market Shares Index ETF, Cluderville Pharmaceuticals, 
Phineos, Alcidian in there as well. Some of the stocks removed, A2 Milk, Crown, Star Farmer and Points Bet. You can check out all the stocks and ETFs in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We uh, track it very regularly. All right, uh, let's just check in with our next stock. Um, uh, we talk about uh, biotechs. Um, David wants a view on uh, Mesoblast. Uh, David said they've been holding it for a while now, taking advantage of the low price. Uh, they're meant to present at the American Heart Association with groundbreaking research in November. Is this worth holding? Prepared to take this gamble? What do the, uh, what do the guys think of it? Andrew, are you a... Uh, one of these stocks that uh, you either love or you absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> um, it's um, uh, extremes of opinions here, Andrew, does it? Yeah, it reminds me of golf. You know, yeah. people <laughs> love golf or they hate golf, yep. and I'm, yeah, I'm a golf disliker. And uh, I think we can uh, put Mesoblast into the dislike camp as well. Uh, this has been a very rocky road in my in my view a very disappointing company from a financial performance certainly the underlying technology that they have is great they're just burning through cash like there's no tomorrow uh burnt through 19 million over the last three months in 86 million sorry last last three months burnt through 19 million and they've been through 86 million over the last nine months they're spending a lot in r&d i get it but some stage the brothers Last year they went out and raised a great deal of money based uh, investor and $2.30 from memory was the price. And they're now down to about $116 million US in cash, which is, you know, again, a lot of money. But if you're burning through $19 million a quarter, that's probably not going to last too long. And as you can see from that chart there, a bit of a rush of blood in December last year, but it's been pretty ordinary since. That trading range just absolutely scares me no end, you know, $1.10 to $5.22. Mm. Underlying technology is great. Um, but um, I can't even say it, Remensital, yeah. uh, looks good but uh, and what they're targeting. But from my point of view, the consensus number of $4.59 is frankly a fantasy. So it is an avoid. Yeah. Um, Henry, one of those stocks that got the uh, the COVID tailwind because it's it's drug that it's developing, it's for respiratory issues. Um, it seems to be a stock that has a whole series of stories and announcements. Um, the the issue is sort of delivering on the story. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit Hans Christian Andersen in that respect. It, it spins a good fairy tale, but at the end of the day, they are grim tales, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, the uh, I've got to say I, we we did quite well out of this one. I, I bought it in the low ones and sold it at sort of three twenty and thought I was a genius. The stock then went to nearly five bucks and I thought I was an idiot. And here we are, uh, some months later. This stock has drained the market of more money for very unimpressive performance more than any other stock I think I think you know if you looked at the number of capital raises this stock has done and it's been going for such a long time you know I remember you know mesoblast with the stem cells it was going to revolutionize medicine all this sort of stuff I think it sucked around a billion dollars out of investors 
uh, just so far. And it's had a number of novel kind of uh, funding methods as well, whereby it's borrowed money from people at very, very high rates. And those people convert that into shares and they then sell those shares on the market. It's, so that took a lot of the upside out. And it's just been a perennial dipper into pockets and a disappointment as far as the results go. I can't, you know, if, if they're going to report some new groundbreaking thing, well, fantastic. But you, you might as well go to the Ned's level as far as I'm concerned, take out your, your your sporting bet app or whatever, and put it on the 3:30 at Doncaster because you know this one has proved time and time again it really is troublesome. I I haven't looked at it for a long time. I'm not going to look at it. if it if it runs 10% on you know a really good presentation, fine. But you know at some stage they're going to tap you back on the shoulder again and they're going to want more money. Uh, COVID was a was a kind of a kicker for them and. And then it didn't actually work um, very well. And they got, and you can see, you know, by the chart, that's when it collapsed. Yep. It basically halved. And no matter how they spun it, it still didn't work. You know, yep. not okay. for me. No. All right. Uh, David, uh, Henry and Andrew have left you in no doubt on their, <laughs> on their opinion there. Uh, uh, not wishy-washy at all. Um, as they never are. Sorry. Um, t- t- Teddy wants a view, Henry, on uh, iCollege. Uh, this is an education business, uh, training and education. Um, they recruit international students, obviously, with no international students coming into Australia. They've had a tough time. Um, is, it, is it similar to IDP in that, that sector? Uh... Would you say it's a junior IDP? I'm not sure you could say it's a junior IDP. Um, I think IDP is more in the terms of English language testing, uh, whereas these guys are actually in terms of of teaching and and programs to uh, vocational teaching and those sorts of things, traineeships. So they've recently made uh, an acquisition of Red Hill Education, which uh, sort of happened in August. So... It's an interesting one. They're doing well, I've got to say. They've obviously been hit by COVID, but they're kind of a sticky a sticky business in terms of their students seem to be very loyal, which is good. So that's helped them really through COVID. And you would imagine that coming out, that will be good. The, the problem, I guess, they have is they've just made this acquisition. So for me, you know, I've yet... It's good to see that the acquisition is going to work. Um, it was sort of a merger rather than uh, an all-out acquisition, and it was script-based, which is good. But you've still got to squeeze those synergies out. And until we see those synergies coming out of the business, for me, I'm not sure I'm going to be piling into this one. Okay. Uh, IEL or IDP education has the sort of the, the premier spot in this space. It is slightly different business. But for me, I think I'd just avoid for the time being, wait to see that uh, things are settling down. It's not always easy to put two businesses together. There's a lot of egos at play. There's a lot of toes to be stepped on. There's a lot of um, you know corners that people mark out with various things in terms of their, their patches so yeah I, I'd be happy to wait with okay. this one Andrew Queensland company so it sort of pains me to say what I'm about to say but um, the volume is really thin you know like we've got $30,000 a day traded so even if you had some burning desire to get set it's going to be pretty difficult um, 
equally as Henry saying, you know, when companies are sort of merging, always a little bit concerned about that sort of cultural piece. And it was an all script offer. So in other words, what that could potentially be telling is they, uh, iCollege, think that their share price is quite high relative to just using cash themselves, because otherwise, you know, they're sort of using expensive paper, if I can put it that way, to actually make this uh, Red Hill acquisition. Uh, certainly, international students returning as a positive pre-COVID, the mix was about 50-50, 50% domestic, 50% international, now back to about 70-30. And they got a good geographic spread, you know, campuses all around the country. But to me, it's a bit of a, a wait and see, see how the uh, integration takes place. As If that share price pulls back, as I was just talking about before, that certainly might be one to think about. But the swing factor probably is how well inter, or how quickly international borders reopen yeah. and they can convert that to students uh, passing yeah. through the doors. Yeah, I know the, uh, the federal government has got it as a high priority, along with skilled migrants, to um, get them start getting international students back in before tourists. It's such a big export market for us. Um, Andrew Riley wants a view on Breaker Resources, the, the West Australian uh, gold explorer, um, with some gold deposits. Uh, what's it? Goldfields Super Terrain? Is that the area? Yeah, Lake Road. Um, sort of Kalgoorlie way. Um, uh, not so out of all the ones today, it's probably the one that I'm the weakest on, so I'm hoping my esteemed colleague is going to help bail me out on this. But certainly from what I could see, it looks good. And recently they've got a new chair, Peter Cook, who's pretty well regarded in the market. And if you look at what the share price has done since um, he's taken the chair, you can see that the market is taking it quite well. Um, they've burnt through about $3.5 million in the last quarter, which is a little bit of concern considering they're only holding 6.5 million so that is obviously a concern but the gold price seems to be sort of stuck a bit at the moment which is probably the other concern as well despite what's going on with inflation and so forth so from my point of view the chart's actually looking positive but you know a break above about 40 odd cents is probably where I'd see it as a buy so for me is a hold. Uh, Henry? Uh, well, I kind of like the gold price being stuck. It gives uh, gives companies that are actually looking for it some certainty. And at the end of the day, really and truly, you know, this is an explorer. So whether the gold price is ten bucks up or ten bucks down, or fifty bucks up or fifty bucks down, really makes not an ounce of difference because these guys haven't got any gold yet. They're a long way from that. But it's all about people and projects. When you're looking at mining companies, you've got to look at people and projects. They have this project at uh, Bombora, uh, which has got some pretty good results. But as Andrew rightly points out, the key, I think, to this one is Peter Cook. Now, this is not the Peter Cook from Dudley Moore fame. This is <laughs> Peter Cook, who is, who, uh, God rest his soul, who is uh, a, a doyen in the in the well, legend in mining circles? So this is obviously, you know, for for Peter, who is not the youngest of men anymore, and I've met him a couple of times. You know, it, to be bothered with a little company like this means they've got they're onto something mm. basically. So uh, I think that that is certainly a big tick of approval. The other thing that I guess has got the market excited is they have made a lithium discovery in a thing called Mana, and that could be from heaven, I guess. But certainly, with it, when you put in Peter Cook and lithium 
and some good gold hits with this one. It doesn't look half bad. It has run quite hard on the back of uh, Peter, and there's more to running a company than just getting your name as uh, the chairman, non-exec chairman, etc. But, you know, you don't uh, risk your reputation on stuff that is not really going to happen. So this looks interesting. For me, it's probably run a little hard in the, in the short term. I'd prefer to buy it around sort of 30, 32 cents, and maybe it'll come back to that on, on a weekday. But uh, as always with these explorers, they are driven by results. You hit a big, uh, you know, a big spot of gold, a big intersection, and this thing could be 45 cents, especially with Peter behind it. He certainly knows how to promote mm, that's for sure. Okay. So a hold from you, but, but watch it. Yeah, hold. Yeah, okay. hold. But uh, yeah, watch it. If it comes back to thirty, thirty-two, it's a buy. Okay. All right, Jackie uh, wants to view Henry on uh, Shaver Shop. The um, got one hundred and twenty stores around Australia and New Zealand. The uh, the grooming sort of stores, a mixture of company owned and franchise. Uh, yeah, well, actually, they're all they're all company owned now. I think they've moved to a hundred percent owned of uh, of Shaver Shop. This one was an unlikely winner, I guess, from COVID. We were all sitting at home on our Zoom calls and, and realizing that maybe we didn't look as good as we should do when we're looking in the uh, the Zoom mirror, if you like. So as a result, uh, there was lots of beauty products bought, whether that was razors or nose pluckers or hair pluckers for your, for your ears, I don't know. But uh, they did very well and they transitioned, I guess, they pivoted, as has been the word, from uh, you know, really, just sort of a, a physical <coughs> presence store to a, to an online digital presence, and they did do it very well. Now, of course, the question is: once you've bought all your beauty products, um, and you're now allowed to go back out and to get your hair done, then are you going to continue to have a, a go at it at home? Are you going to use the clippers, etc.? At the moment, I think the jury's out a little bit with that, and the stock seems to be sort of vacillating in a channel, a very tight range. Christmas is coming. Cyber is. You know, the cyber days are coming, so that's always a boost for them. And they do have a relatively good online platform now. And you know, they're good at marketing. They're cashed up. They've bought back all the stores. Uh, there's a lot to like about this one. But, yeah, I just can't see what the next catalyst is going to be. And uh, maybe the supply chains will hurt them. I just can't see what, what's going to be the next kicker. You know, we've, we've had the, the pivot through COVID. We've had everybody buying the, the clippers. Um, what's the next one going to be? I'm not sure that it's there for them. So for me, it's a hold at the moment. Right. I can't get excited about it. Yeah, at a, at a five-year high, you need a new kicker yeah. to get it to the next level, don't you? Yeah. And, a, Andrew? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit torn on this one because if you look at the numbers, it's a P of seven and forecast earnings growth of 13% next year. So my friend, the peg ratio um, is well and truly alive on this one. I also note the chair is the not a non-executive director of uh, Ballador uh, ah, technology, technology, which we can right. this time. Which is so, IPOing SiteMinder and giving a deal so to again, shareholders, yep. Yeah, so again, you know, follow management um, or follow the board governance, then that certainly ticks a box for me. Um, AGM coming up on the 10th of November is probably the, the, the next gate that we need to get through. If the uh, the guidance there is, is sound, then you, you're probably okay. But I also note um, that Perpetual has, in fact, their value fund has been selling down. They were at 13%, they're now back to about 12%. So a few conflicts 
conflicting signals, but on balance, it's a hold. Okay. And our final stock, um, getting into it, lithium, lithium boron. Um, Ioneer, Andrew, uh, exploration company, got a project in the US um, uh, in Nevada. I'll only speak to this briefly because my friend uh, <laughs> is, is, is all over this like calamine lotion. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that uh, I like it, uh, but there are a couple oh. of uh, challenges there. Uh, so over to you, Henry. Okay, so like a, so uh, as a buy. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying I like it. It's Sorry, if you if we buy, hold, sell, it's a hold. Right. Of course, okay. it's got a community. It's ACDC. I mean, that's the one that you want. Yeah. It's got Tesla. It's got <laughs> Rolls Royce. It's got Pilbara. Like, if we're playing that game, you yeah. want ACDC. Yeah. But this is an investment. Since we last spoke about Akoshi, it's tripled. Yeah. So it's done incredibly well. And certainly, and I don't want to steal Henry's thunder, but there's lots to like about this. Right. But Andrew, the boring, likes to have a bar rather than trying to pick the winners, avoid the landmines. ACDC for me, but I could certainly think of worse investments than these. Okay. It is a hold. Yeah. Henry? What a what a lead-in. What an intro. Uh, <laughs> teams, the problem with this one is Teams Buckwheat, which is a, a very, very rare thing that grows only at Realite Ridge in Nevada, where these guys want to dig lithium and boron out of the place. Oh. Now, uh, Sibanye Stillwater has just made a big investment into this one, which has kicked the price higher. I have to say, I like this one. It's in our small cap portfolio. I bought it uh, around the 60 cent level, uh, coming to the party a little bit late uh, in terms of official uh, additions, but it's, it's a goodie. It's in lithium, it's in boron, it's in the right place in the US because that is important now with all these kind of uh, sovereign issues swirling around and having uh, the supply chain close or the, the, the production close to the supply chain and feeding into those US EV factories, etc. So I like this one. The problem is environmental and that has been pushed back a little bit. And uh, so it is more one for the patient. But hey, let's not stop that uh, in the way of a good story. It's definitely a hold. Right. Uh, these prices is, is, is bordering towards 80 cents. It was hated when it first came out with these uh, issues on the environmental front and everyone sold it off and was, was you know, but these guys, Sibanye Stillwater, have invested a huge amount of money into Ioneer at 65 cents. So right. that gives you a signal that all, to me, that, that ticks a lot of boxes. Now, if they can just satisfy the environmentalists on this very rare plant that only seems to grow in this patch of dirt that they want to dig up, and even they say, you know what, we can kind of avoid that patch and we'll leave you the buckwheat there, so okay. don't worry about it. Um, it, it. It's a goodie, it's a hold up here. It's, um, you know, if you can buy it at 65 cents like the um, Sibanya people did, Boots on, go for it because this is going to. This will be a dollar in in probably by Christmas. The way it's going, I've got to wow. say, but um, this will certainly uh, be a dollar in, in the. Uh, because Henry, all the lithium, anything associated with lithium has been on a run. Um, people are looking for stocks that that you know uh, that chart there so it seems to show it yes has definitely been on a run but in yeah. terms of future potential has it got more than say the Pilbara's and, and the like? 
I don't know about more Koshy. It's certainly got, you know, it, in some ways it, it's got good, um, probably greater potential because it is right on the doorstep of where they're going to be building electric right. vehicles in the US. So, you know, that, that, it takes away a lot of the transport costs. It takes away a lot of the shipping yeah. costs, etc. So that that is a big positive. But, you know, only this week Toyota have announced they're going to produce their first mass-produced car. I think it's the... Uh, BZ for something uh, beyond okay. zero four X or something. Uh, this, so um, you know, okay. this is where the world's this yep. is where the world's heading, and we're going to need a lot of lithium. There's deals being done. There was another takeover. I think it was in Canada from uh, from a lithium company. The Chinese are going to be buying up lithium companies to get hold of that production. Yep. You know, they, they don't want smog ruining the the uh, no. the Winter Olympics. They're not going to want smog ruining the the country. <laughs> for decades to come so this this is happening i think yeah. iron as i say will you know probably okay. be a dollar by christmas all right henry jennings from marcus today always great to catch up andrew Wheeler from dp wealth advisory likewise keep well gentlemen good to see you, Thank you. thanks, thanks for joining us uh, recap the final five stocks. Uh, Miso Blaster, no from both. Uh, pretty straightforward on that one. iCollege, the same. Breaker Resources, a hold from both. Shaver Shop, a hold. Uh, Ioneer, um, a hold from, um, um, but really, really likes it, from Henry. If you can get it down around that 65 cent mark, it'll be good. Uh, Andrew likes the lithium era. He will do it through an ETF um, with the, the code AC. DC, uh, and that gives you a basket of uh, of lithium investments. Uh, that's it for our show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover on future uh, episodes of the call, uh, just email them the call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter using the at TV handle. You can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 